Hello, and thank you for joining me today. My name is Reginald, and this is the Mark 4-9 Podcast. Our title this afternoon is called Repentance, A Tale of Occultic Heresy. Now, according to research, the term occult comes from the Latin word occultus, which means clandestine, hidden, secret, or knowledge of the hidden. Occultism was first popularized in the 1800s by the French author, esotericist, and ceremonial magician Eliaphas Levi, who wrote several books on magic, alchemical studies, Kabbalah, and occultism. In common English, the usage for occultism refers to the category or knowledge of the paranormal within supernatural beliefs and practices. And before we begin, please welcome our special guest, Brother Matthew, from Christian Coffee Time. Hi, Brother Matthew. Thank you for being on the show. I truly appreciate it. Would you mind sharing a bit about yourself, please? Yeah, sure. Um, so I work in the field of evangelism and apologetics. I uh, work in uh, just teaching the basics of the faith. Uh, I work as an associate pastor. As I said, evangelist and apologist, so I do a lot of debates. Uh, name a religion. I basically debate it from the clergy to the lay people of it. I work in the field of biblical purism. I just use the Bible as scriptural memorization and just searching the scriptures because the Lord has an answer for everything in his word. So that's what I work in the field of as a Bible teacher, just in that, in that regard. Yeah. That is awesome. Especially since you just use the Bible. So how did you get introduced to the Christian faith? It was around when I was five or six years old is when my parents got saved and my dad about a year later he uh packed everything up sold the house and moved off to bible school we all, all went to bible school there he got had his training and he became a pastor so i grew up as a pastor's kid um so as a pastor's kid homeschooled the majority of my life uh attending the youth groups the awanas the sparkies all those things and uh being raised in a christian home but the thing is from a young age is just I just saw the outward and it never really, I never really made it personal myself. So to make a very long story short uh, is I was about, when I was about 15, I made a confession uh, of faith, but uh, it just still, something was missing. Uh, It it still wasn't, you know, entirely connected. I guess I just still didn't understand the full understanding of repentance uh, and, uh, you know, confession of the heart of the faith in that way. Like I believed it of mine intellectually. I understood. I believed in God, believed in Jesus, believed in the Bible. But um, it wasn't until about uh, just several years ago is when I finally turned to the Lord yeah. uh, in full understanding and got saved. But uh, because of that, I was greatly tempted uh, through the world of the martial arts in Eastern mysticism, which drew me into that into mysticism's energy work, chi, ki, all that kind of stuff, which uh, pulled me into more and more different aspects and then into Western mysticism, uh, which uh, witchcraft, wizardry, all that kind of stuff, uses the exact same lingo as Eastern. So that's how I got involved in all that. Kept it all secret and then fell into the world of witchcraft. See, when uh, it comes to these kinds of uh, things, realms. the devil doesn't just pour it all on you. He just tempts you a little bit, a little bit, a little bit further, a little bit further, a little bit further. 
So in Eastern mysticism, the whole idea of chi and chi energy and the martial arts, that's what really grabbed my attention there. And then I started seeing uh, what's called the internal arts. In the internal arts, it's, it's not as much focused on the outward actual fighting self-defense aspects as it is about inner strength and meditation, uh, spiritual energy, that kind of thing, grounding. It's, it's basically Eastern occult is what it is, is the Asian occult arts. Is internal art so that's really grabbed me i really enjoyed that and, and just seeing how it worked the effectiveness of when you devote yourself to it uh, it's not like you know like what stupid hollywood and, and those kinds of things where they show you know the kid little kid picks up a wand mm-hmm. and just suddenly has all the abilities that that doesn't happen that's not a thing you have to devote yourself you have to give yourself to it. you have to sell yourself to it uh, completely give yourself over uh, mind heart body soul and spirit and so I was really devoting myself to this, and I got involved with with darker aspects mm-hmm. uh, of Eastern occult. Uh, it's called the Kujian and Kujikiri, uh, uh, black magic uh, of that. And that's when I saw how Western is exactly the same. They use the same lingo, same terms, same ideologies, same concepts of witchcraft, wizardry, sorcery, and all of that. And so I just kind of just brushed aside the terminologies and just saw the art as it was itself. And that's how I got involved with that. How deep did I go? Well, we got to the point where I started delving into black magic and blood sorcery, blood magic, where uh, I plateaued at a point. And so I actually conjured a spirit using a, a sigil spell, cut myself, put my own blood on it, and burned it in a special ritual and actually conjured a spirit that actually manifested to me in, in form. Uh, black form came walking towards me at, uh, that night and it and it, I had a conversation with it and it gave me all the things that I wanted in regards to black magic. Yeah. yeah so it was, uh, it, it was quite a, quite a road. Um, later on, I, uh, a while after that, I uh, actually wound up getting demonically possessed. When I got into the very depths of it, um, this went, went full on, and uh, it got to the point where I no longer cared about no, no longer cared about Christianity, no longer cared about the Bible uh, or church or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I just I I actually got to the point of witchcraft. I was in the world for 16 years, just for some context there. Um, in the world of mysticism, occult, and witchcraft for 16 years. Uh, I was the head instructor, leader head instructor of a occult school uh, um, where we actually taught real world witchcraft, not like Harry Potter stupidity. We're not LARPers. I think that it was actually the real thing in the real world. So the stuff the Bible says not to do okay. and the Bible warns against this is stuff that we did divination, conjuring, enchantment, astral projection, remote viewing, um, spell casting, cursing. Uh, we uh, angelic conjuring, spirit conjurings, all of it. We were doing all of it. Um, I was I specialized primarily in divination, uh, all the different forms of divination. There was not a form of divination I could not do. Uh, there and enchanting, I could conjure any spirit, any spirit, and enchant anything. And um, and so those are my specialties. Now I had so many familiar spirits that uh, I actually knew their names that I got so involved that so uh, dedicated to them, I learned their names and they actually gave me a, uh, a spirit occult name. They actually renamed me. 
So when I would walk into a room and speak my occult name, they would actually manifest. Uh, all of my familiars would manifest, and they would look like wisps, little white wisps, walk kind of just wandering around the room, and they'd speak to me. So there's different forms. The Bible even talks about uh, different spirits. Some uh, some are mischievous spirits. Some are more powerful. And then Jesus even says some of these come not up with mm-hmm. prayer and fasting, designated that some are even more powerful than others. Um, the, this one that I had done the blood ritual with uh, was a was what's called a lower god. These are ones that were that are that are so powerful they set themselves up as like the false deities. Now, you know the false gods of the false religions. The the ones that I got involved with were the false gods of uh, the Norwegian mythology. Uh, you know, Odin, Thor, all of those. Uh, many people think that all oh, the false gods aren't real. No, they are. They're just demons masquerading, and that the names of these false gods are the names of those demons. And uh, so I had learned all about the pantheon. I'd given myself because I was learning Norwegian shamanism. Norwegian occult and so there was a specific character in the Norwegian uh, pantheon that I was really uh, was connected with and that was the the false god that I had actually and it actually uh, manifested that was one of the deities of the Norse pantheon that I had wound up conjuring in the, the blood ritual and that deity that that false deity that being visited me that night and when i when i was uh, in my room now all the lights were off I, there was no light at all as the middle of the night and then this form just appeared it was like a black form it was like kind of like a shadow type creature uh but it was so black so dark that that the blackness of it was visible against the blackness of the dead of night it was it was it was something i can't even really accurately explain and then it it, it had kind of a form to it like a humanoid form and it walked up the side of my bed slowly then reached over with a hand and put its hand on my chest and i felt its hand if you take your hand and place it against your chest that's what i felt and uh, it it was so tangible so real people think oh you're hallucinating it was a vision no 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 it was actually there, and uh, so so it, I, I that's when I, it asked me what I wanted, and I told it that I had wanted to become a master of enchantment, conjuring, and divination. Those two, I want to become a, a master of it, and it's and it, it audibly said very well, and then slowly walked away, and then disappeared, and then the room kind of lit back up again a little bit, and from that day forward, I my abilities just exploded and i really took off in that way all my the different things i was doing and uh um that's when i started really branching out into different forms of black magic i call it dark magic because it's not like there's a difference but white magic black magic no no it's all magic i call it i call it light magic and darker magic because mm-hmm. it's all of the same thing. All magic is magic. All witchcraft is witchcraft. It's all the same thing. Even Anton LaVey, the founder of the Church of Satan, says there's no such thing as white magic. It's nothing but the smug arrogance of some who think they're better than others. All magic is magic. So it's very true. Um, and so I started giving myself over to more of that. And it was about, uh, from that point, I think it was about a year and a half-ish. I think it was after that event 
is when I uh, messed up in a ritual and wound up getting demonically possessed. Uh, I remember that night very vividly. Um, the, the familiar spirits that I had were, were starting to become quite pushy, aggressive, manipulative in that point. And uh, I, I knew that there was something going on in that way that was wrong, but I it was too blind to see anything. Um, and it, it forcibly possessed me. I remember feeling my consciousness pushed to the back of my mind. Something else took over. My voice changed and my heart stopped. For about three seconds, my heart stopped. And, uh, and then it slammed and started fibrillating really badly. And that's when I just kind of knee-jerk reaction just screamed out to Jesus to help me. And, I, I just, and uh, that's when I felt another presence uh, appear yeah. and actually stabilize my heart and i felt an actual fight like two hands trying to grab the same thing is what it kind of felt like and so i i was at work i was working the night shift i told my supervisor i'm having heart issues and he rushed me to the hospital and i was on a gurney suffering with heart attack symptoms for six hours uh, they hooked me up to all the machines all the stuff they did blood tests the whole nine yards they did everything and they couldn't find one single thing wrong with me and uh and uh, so it was about six hours later is when it finally stabilized and uh, I was fine. And that, that those familiar spirits, those demons were finally rid of, uh, they sent me home. And that's when I just kind of left all the really dark magic and went and just to light magic. And I actually repented of the dark magic, actually, uh, but uh, to the Lord. But I, but I didn't fully repent of all my crap. Okay. And so I just went into light magic work and all that kind of thing. And, and it was about six weeks after yeah. that is when I finally got saved. I would suggest yeah. to people and anyone who might be hearing this podcast, I would strongly, strongly recommend, uh, uh, advise that you get into scriptural memorization and get your kids into scriptural memorization. Um, because when I was little, after my parents Amen. got saved and, uh, I started in, in five, six years old, started into the church scene and, you know, the youth group, kids clubs and all that kind of stuff, uh, Sunday schools. All those Bible verses that I memorized when I was young were instrumental in bringing me back to the Lord. Because as it says in the God's word, his word will never return void, but will go and accomplish that run I have sent it. And that, and that as long as it's been planted in, it will have an effect in convicting and drawing and, and all that kind of thing. So what happened was this raised, being raised in a Christian home all my life until I was about, um, yeah, I was about 21, 22 is when I got married and then moved out on my own. And that's when everything really took off because I no longer had mom and dad looking over my shoulders. So I could go and do whatever I wanted. So that's when all of my craft really took off. Um, but it, all throughout that period of time when I had fallen away, it, the Bible verses would keep coming up into my mind. All the, ver all the old verses, all the conviction, all that, and I would just bat it down. I would just ignore it. I would suppress it. As the Bible says in Romans 1, 18 and 25, they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. They change the truth of God into a lie, and they, and they worship and serve the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Um, so that's what I did. And so how I wound up getting saved, well, um, that night I was, uh, I was scheduled to work a night shift. It was uh, off season. Uh, I worked at a, at a resort uh, on a security team. 
and uh, who worked security as a security guard. And uh, it, was, it was a dead night scouting crew, and no one else was around. I was doing my rounds. I was driving the vehicle, a security vehicle around the area, and I normally would wear tons and tons of my amulets and charms, and I'd have all my witchcraft stuff with me to help me with all the different things because I would find a, a secluded area and do little things here and there throughout the night. And uh, But I had actually forgotten a couple of my um, more powerful charms and amulets at home that if I wore those, that they actually were haunted objects is what an enchanted object is a haunted object is what you do is you conjure a spirit then you bind that spirit upon a person place or thing and that person place or thing becomes an enchanted object enchanted is you chant and conjure cast spell bind a spirit to the thing and so these objects were haunted objects and i forgot them and left them at home and uh, so because of that uh, some those spirits of of great manipulation of mind or whatever were not around me at that time or whoever that worked i don't know but anyways i was so i was at work and i wasn't wearing as much as i normally was and the bible verses that usually would come up started coming up again but this time for some reason i was not able to bat them away i was not able to ignore them i couldn't brush them aside and it did they just kept coming up again and again and again and again and it, it was very much like when you read in the Bible uh, where uh, Saul on the road to Damascus and Jesus says, it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. That was me. <laughs> and so um, mm-hmm. and so I, it started bothering me so much uh, that I started crying a bit as it just the conviction and the fear and the torment of all these things and the familiar spirits that were around me. We're really so God is speaking in one ear, the demons are speaking yeah. the other ear, and I'm stuck in the middle having an absolute just mental breakdown. Uh, the demons are screaming in my ear that God wants to destroy me, He wants to take everything away, He wants to rob me of my life, and He wants to take all of that. I've literally devoted blood, sweat, and tears literally to 16 years of my life. This is what I was, this is what I'm going to be. I was even to the point where I was actually going to step out and live by faith as a warlock that's how powerful i was and what i was going to do uh, but uh, but in the other ear god is telling me how all of these things are wrong and it's sin and i know it's sin you know it's sin and you know these verses and here's the scriptures you know that this is true you know there's a god you know jesus is right you know the bible is true and so this constant conflict so i actually had to pull over in the vehicle, I had to stop, and put it in park, and then just sat there, just gripped the steering wheel, white knuckling the steering wheel, and just tears just rolling down my face and fear and torment. And I, and I saw, as it were, a, a fork in the road, and, I, and the Lord told me I had to make a choice. And at that moment, I literally felt another presence sitting in the passenger seat right beside me, and I knew that was Christ. I was too afraid to look. There was no actual, you know, visible thing. It just, I knew. It's just, there's suddenly a presence, a, a power was there, and I knew who he was. And, and I was, ter- I was terrified. And that's when it just, yes. suddenly I just, I, and that's when it just, the whole, the dam broke, and the floodgates just opened, and I just, I just broke in tears. I just sobbing, absolutely sobbing, because I, 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 I stopped fighting. 
And I said, Lord, you're right. Mm-hmm. And I said, Lord, I don't blame you. If you want to cast me to hell right now, I deserve it. But if you can forgive me, please forgive me. And I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Please forgive me my sins and save me. Yeah. And that, that moment, I, I saw my mind went silent. The devils are driven away. All of my powers were instantly gone. And it's like clarity came into my mind. And that's when I heard for the first time in my life, a different voice in my mind was a still small voice. And it's speaking to me, scriptures and all that. And uh, that's how I stepped out of the vehicle and oh, ripped off all my charms and amulets and burned them in the parking lot right there and, and surrendered to the Lord. All right, Brother Matthew, I have a few questions for you. Chris from Texas asks, what are the connections between occultism, Hollywood, the music industry, and the government? Then he goes on to add, I know this is a huge question, but occultism is a huge subject. We are talking really huge. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is a huge topic. Uh, a very huge topic. Uh, what, are the, what are the connections between occultism and all of the entertainment industries and the government? Well, it all, all ties into what the Bible talks about. Uh, it starts with Lucifer in the Garden of Eden. Yea, hath God truly said. Right there, that's, that's the whole key to the whole thing, is questioning the word of God, questioning uh, the sovereignty of God, questioning every, all this and removing the authority and trying to get rid of God. Now, it says that in the end, it'll be as in the days of Noah. And the days of Noah, if we take a look at what the Bible says, what was like during the time of Noah, was violence in the uh, rampant all throughout society, uh, godlessness, that there was no fear of God, there was no remembrance of God in the hearts and minds at all. And so with this comes the, the extremity of immorality, violence, heathenism, paganism, drunkenness, revelry, all the things, all the sins and the abominations that God condemns. And you take a look at Sodom and Gomorrah, for example, the wrath of God fell on Sodom and Gomorrah. The wrath of God fell in the time of Noah. The wrath of God will fall again. So occultism is the pursuit of life without God. It is believing that there's other mm-hmm. knowledge, that I can be as God. He can be as God knowing the difference between good and evil. You can call your own shots. You can create your own reality. There's other knowledge, other mysteries, other things you can seek of. You don't need God. You don't need any of that. So that is basically what the, what is the connection there. And that's what brings in the judgment. You see Psalms chapter 9, verse 17, that the wicked shall be turned to hell and all the nations that forget God. Psalms 9, 17. And so this is what is going to happen. As the judgment of the Lord is going to come in this. Now, the connection of this is it's all based off the same author. If you take a look throughout Hollywood, take a look throughout all the, the entertainment industry, take a look at the government. What do you see as the overlying black thread that, that sews it all together? Is the same author. You see Luciferianism, uh, uh, the cursing of Christ, the blasphemies of God, uh, the, the fearlessness against the things of the Lord. There's no fear of God in anything that uh, we see them mocking the churches, hating Christ, hating the Bible, trying to suppress the truth and unrighteousness. And so that is 
a connection there. Occultism, it's not just magic. It's not just, you know, the rituals, the symbology. That's just, those are fringe aspects. It's the doctrine, the doctrine the, uh, that flows there is the doctrine of anti-God is what this is. So occultism and magic, mm-hmm. they, those are just some of the, if I could say that the benefits that come with the doctrine. So it's like I said earlier, you, it's not like you just pick up a wand and wave it and you, you're suddenly you have powers like a God. It doesn't work that way. You have to give yourself to a doctrine, study it, believe it, accept it, hold to it, devote to it. And then you, then you start seeing the benefits starting to be yeah. given to you. You start getting rewarded for your belief of those doctrines. And that's what we see happening in Hollywood and uh, the entertainment industry and the government. I like to point out to people, um, if you look throughout the world, how come the only deity names that are ever used as a cuss word are the names of God, the name of Jesus of the Bible? That's a big difference between born-again Christianity and every single other belief system or philosophy of the entire world. Is Could you please point out for me, just name one, one belief system, one religion, one other belief system that, that, that believes that Jesus is the mighty God manifested in the flesh. You're not going to find one. You're not going to find a single one other than true born again Christianity. Um, yes. And so that's yes. the other thing too, exactly. is you see uh, the, how everything's connected no. is the removal of the sovereignty of Jesus Christ and making him nothing more than just a cuss word, than just a byword, than just an expletive is removing seriousness, removing authority, removing sovereignty, removing deity, removing everything that is important from the name of Jesus Christ. All right, next question. Brandon from New York inquires, in what role does alchemy play in occultism? How does alchemy work with occultism? Um, Occultism, it is the pursuit of forbidden knowledge, hidden knowledge, mystic knowledge, um, the, um, the pursuit of the secrets of the universe, that there's other things out there, the mysteries of the universe, that there's other things, the hidden things, the dark things. Um, now, in occultism, there's many, many, many different angles. It's like a spider's web, really. Um, occult is basically the overall head banner. And under occultism, you have some of the the main art that they used as used to be called the, the denominations. You have witchcraft, sorcery, wizardry, and, and some of the different denominations of studies. A witch is not a wizard, is not a sorcerer, but a witch can do some practices of wizardry and sorcery. And so you can actually kind of mix and match and create your own style. So you can have as many different variants as you want. If you can't find a denomination that you like, you can create your own. Now, alchemy is just one one of the crafts, one of the things in occultism that you can do. You got divination. You have you have um, enchantment, conjuring, and uh, spell casting. You have all the, the sigil work. You have so much uh, difference of uh, in there. Now, alchemy is just one of the things where they where they try to use not in a sense of uh, uh, spiritual manipulation like conjuring, 
But alchemy is the manipulation of the physical, the manipulation of the natural uh, it for supernatural means. This is sorcery. Sorcery is the use usage of substances of physical things for religious or spiritual reasons. So, so many people, like, for example, say, like, um, going to the pharmacy, well, that's sorcery because the word pharmakia. No, 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 no. There's a misunderstanding there. Pharmakia uh, in sense of sorcery is now substance use mm. for spiritual, religious reasons. Just taking the drug, for example, is not sorcery. But if you're taking it for spiritual reasons, taking it to get high, to elevate your mind, to help you advance your spiritual work your religion, or for religious reasons, then that falls under the category of sorcery. So alchemy, alchemy is uh, like creating the potions, creating the natural spells, the mixing yeah, okay. of herbs, you know, the, the witch with the cauldron. There's a witch using sorcery, uh, stirring the pot. Uh, that she is using alchemic uh, substances, alchemic studies and practices to help her with her craft. So alchemy is just one of the crafts under the guise, uh, under the banner of, of occultism. Alchemy uh, falls under sorcery, so the Bible condemns that. As if, if we take a look, for example, at Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 9 to 12, I'll just do a quick run through here. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do. It's just like in Exodus 20, that thou shalt not. Thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. Abomination is the closest to pure hatred that you can get. There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire. So that's, uh, you know, human sacrifice, child sacrifice, which also abortion would fall under that, the deliberate murder of children for selfish, self-righteous spiritual reasons or whatever like that. Deliberate uh, infanticide would fall under that. Or that useth divination. Now, divination is uh, the, the use of mobiles, like a tea leaf reading, ogums, crying, tarot cards, uh, oculomancy, cartomancy, all that, uh, using, a, using an object to help you to tap into the spiritual so that you can find answers. And uh, that's what divination is. Or an observer of times, fortune teller. Or an enchanter. Now, an enchanter is one who uses chanting to spell cast, to cause an object, like I mentioned before, a person, place, or thing, to become haunted. You, you bind spirit to things. That's what enchanting is. Or a witch, which is a, basically, you could call it a disciple of the spirits. That's what a witch is. A disciple of the spirits. Or a charmer. One who charms, one who creates amulets, charms, trinkets, these kinds of things. One who specializes in the creation and the formation of haunted objects. Or a consulter with familiar spirits. That's a medium, one who speaks for the spirits. Or a wizard. Now, a wizard is one um, who is taken over, possessed by the spirits, and the spirits give that individual advanced knowledge. It gives that person advanced knowledge, advanced abilities. So that's where that falls. So they're, they're not specifically, say, um, book learned in that way. No, 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 sorry. I got that wrong. That's a sorcerer. It's not book learned. 
uh, the wizard uses books as that they are pursuing more of advanced knowledge, advanced abilities and things, a sudden impartation of abilities and things. Uh, and the wizard can use the wizard circles, uh, can use alchemy and um, spells and these channels for just advanced ability, advanced knowledge. Uh, or a necromancer. Now, necromancer is a speaker for the dead, the one who seeks the dead. The, the Bible says, all those who hate me love, love death. Um, it, that this is uh, one who tries to tap okay. into now you're not talking to dead people you're talking to demons masquerading sorcery can actually take take part in all of those actually and the bible even mentions later on about how those who do such things or a sorcerer shall not enter the kingdom of heaven um it says and all that do these things are an abomination unto the lord now alchemy is uh, how this falls under okay what's wrong with making things is you're saying herbology is wrong no 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 using the substances herbs uh, plants drugs whatever with the spiritual religious intent anything with supernatural spiritual or religious intent falls under the category of, of alchemic manipulation which is i.e sorcery which is therefore abomination. Oh, like burning sage, for instance, to quote unquote clear the air of evil spirits. Yes, yes. Yeah, burning a stick of incense, but just because you like the smell of it, it's a, it's an odorizer. It's like potpourri. How is potpourri bad? It's not. But if you're burning it. For spiritual, religious, supernatural reasons, or if you have a mindset where that is a part of your mind, that if you burn this, it's connection, like having a connection to that, then you have an issue. Then you have a problem. But again, potpourri is potpourri. God made plants. How are plants bad? They're not. So there's a right way, wrong way to use it. And last but not least, Rogelio from New Jersey writes, what makes the occult fascinating to some people? Then he goes on to add, how can we reach those who are in the occult? Okay, so um, what makes it fascinating? Well, it kind of goes hand in hand with what Chris from Texas asked, actually, about uh, Hollywood and the industries and all that stuff, and the continuation of the uh, of the of the false doctrines. What makes it fascinating is the lie, is that uh, the devil. He loves to make sin palpable. He likes to make it entertaining. He, it, he, okay. he plays us. He plays us like we're magpies. You know, like ooh, something shiny. And so, what the devil likes to do is he likes to put sparkles and lights and colors, and he he uses masks and veils, smoke and mirrors to hide the the, the true reality of it. Like, for example, many people have seen Harry Potter, have seen Lord of the Rings, have seen uh, The Sorcerer's Apprentice, or all these other shows that depict abilities of magic, wizardry, sorcery, witchcraft, all that kind of stuff. And you'll always notice a Hollywood portrays it. You know, there's lots of lights and flashes and colors, and it's, it's, it's energy. It's just all energy. It's, it's channeling energy. It's, it's mind over matter. It's all lies. When you get into, uh, when you, like, for example, when you first get into the martial arts or you get into the world of the occult, they like, they, they like to use the same terms in regarding to chi and energy as it's just all energies. 
But when you get up into the higher, higher upper echelon, the, the higher levels, they actually change the terms and they start calling it spirit. It's no longer energy. It's now called spirit. So it's the masking of this and the veil coverings of this. That what makes occult fascinating is the lie of entertainment oh, wow. where they water down the seriousness of sin. They water down the consequences of it. It's no longer as bad and as serious as God makes it out to be. And that they, there's no bad consequences of this. And it's just cards. It's just crystals. It's just smoke. It's just incense. It's just candles. It's just fancy symbols and lights and colors. And we, they have in their imagination, you know, the kids running around with, cape, with capes and cowls and lightsabers. And they pretend to throw, you know, force powers kind of thing as Jedi's. Well, you have this picture in your mind that you're this you know, video game wizard, the video game witch, the video game sorcerer. It's not what it is. So the, it, it's the, the, the guile of Satan in using lies and manipulation to trick you into thinking that it's something other than it isn't. The stove is not hot. It's just bright red. So you go with the idea that it is and you build, you build your whole understanding around that it's just bright red. Well, no, it's burning. How, and as the Bible says, how can a man take fire into his bosom and not be burned? And, and so the devil will actually back up his lies in that when you start to get involved, there's a great thrill and an excitement of doing something edgy, something taboo. It's something different. I have, and, you, you, and you start seeing the benefits. And he'll start rewarding you. He'll give you great benefits and abilities and things on the offset. But what you don't see coming down the road are the consequences where the devils are like cats with mice. You know how the cat plays with the mouse a bit, bats it around, throws it around before it, it sinks its teeth into it? They do the same thing. You go for a period of time until the devils finally lose interest in you, and then they dispose of you. Yeah. Now, what makes it fascinating is the, is the colors, the tapestry of occultism, um. the tapestry of it. That's what's fascinating. That the great, the, the the sacred geometry of those, of those intriguing, intriguing designs, and the fancy banners and colors, and the robes, and the jewels, and the rings, and the amulets, all this stuff. People love the outward. They love the out, the outward show and display of it. And so that, so when they put on all these things, they think that now they are this thing. No, you're you're a dabbler. You, you mm -hmm. just like the outward. You have no idea what you're doing. So a lot of people who actually get involved with occultism are actually dabblers. They're just the the edgy people, you know, like the emos. They they put on this this persona that that, that and they become more like larpers. They they're not the actual deep studiers, the yeah. deep masters of it. Uh, but again, all because there's a lot of frauds and fakers and dabblers doesn't mean the real ones don't exist. But, uh, but that's how I'd answer that. What makes it fascinating is the outward tapestry, uh, the, the show, the lights and colors, sounds, smells, uh, that which appeals to the senses. As the Bible says, sin is pleasurable for a season. So how can you make something pleasurable? It must be appealing to the senses. And so how can we reach out to those type of people who are lost? Uh, of an idea of how to go about it and an extreme, extreme warning. Um, Roman, Romans chapter 16, verse 19. I'll paraphrase it a little bit, but Romans 16, 19 says, okay. it, it's better to be ignorant of darkness. It's better to just not know. 
there are some things you don't need to know. Like, for example, to, to witness and evangelize the people uh, that are into these kinds of things, you don't need to know how they do the rituals. You don't need to know all the details. You don't need to know all the stuff. You, all you do need to know is just the basics. Amen. Like, for example, what they believe about Jesus and what they believe about, about the afterlife, of what happens after this life. The same as you witnessing to a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon, Seventh-day Adventist or uh, a Hindu or a Muslim or a Buddhist, is, is, okay, who is Jesus? What happens to you after you die? Those are the two primary main pillars. So how to reach people in the occult is literally the same way. How, how would you reach a Jehovah's Witness? Because occultism is a religion. And that's actually what I called it when I used to be in the occult and all, in witchcraft. I, I, I called it my religion. It is a religion. It, it's, it takes faith to believe. It's supernatural. It's spiritual. It has its own codified laws and practices and these things. It's a religion. So it's literally no different. But again, there's a great, there's a great warning that comes to it. It's just like in Hinduism. You don't need to know the names of all the gods. You don't need to know how they go about worshiping the gods and the rituals. You just need to know who do they say Jesus is. And then what you do is you take the Bible and you present them the real full christ the real full gospel and this is where the spirit of god then will fall upon them and bring them the enlightenment and understanding if the spirit of god is not working on them they're not going to be interested so again how to reach people who are in that you got to know how to show them the real jesus they just go to people that are in this they'll tell you well i believe in jesus too you would not believe how many witches and Satanists and sorcerers and psychics and mediums and necromancers believe in Jesus. You would not believe how many of them actually believe in Jesus, really believe in Jesus. But they believe he's an ascended master. They believe he's some lesser demigod. They believe he's just, he, he's just something else or some other person or he was just some guy or, or, or many oh, witches me? believe that Jesus was a witch who do learn supernatural yeah. abilities. Um, that's where you get this whole crazy psychotic pathological cult that's actually rising now of Christian witches, Christian occultists, Christian mystics. So, so because they do not believe in the Jesus of the Bible, like I mentioned gotcha. previously. So we really need to know this. Um, and with this knowledge of the full real Jesus comes with what Jesus himself said in regards to sin and righteousness the difference between the holy and the profane so showing them how we're sinners so you're not going to be able to reach them with a weak jesus not a jesus who need who needs his mother or his mother is the advocate mediator grand redemptress and all that so mm -hmm. she hears all our prayers because she's a goddess basically the roman catholic mary is a goddess and that she basically replaces jesus in everything except the cross, but if they could find a way to put her on the cross, they would. And where you atone for your own sins in purgatory, then you eat a magic Eucharist cookie, somehow that forgives your sins. I don't know. But anyways, uh, where Jehovah's Witnesses, where Jesus is Michael the Archangel, where he, that then would make him less powerful than the devil, because in the book of Jude, Michael dared not bring a railing accusation against the devil, but said the Lord rebuke you, but Jesus rebuked the devil multiple times. And we don't worship angels, but Jesus was worshipped. So you see, Michael the Archangel is less powerful than the devil. 
are the Mormon Jesus, for he's just a spirit brother of Lucifer, born out of God, having endless lust for sex yeah. with goddesses, and you can become the god of your own planet if you wear your magic linen underwear. Uh, or the... Or the or the Jesus of Islam, or he's just some lesser prophet, less than Muhammad, or the Jesus of Hinduism, who's either a demigod or just some holy man, or the Jesus of Buddhism, or he's just some holy man, or maybe he even didn't exist, or the Jesus of atheism was just, just a man, if he even existed. And you see my point going on and on and on. The Seventh-day Adventist Jesus, who who's, who is reduced in his sovereignty because you got to help him save you because because the investigative yeah. judgment doctrine of Ellen G. White, where God then investigates you like to see if you're worthy enough to enter heaven, depending on if you've kept all the laws and all the different things. And the Jesus of Seventh-day Adventism is not the Jesus of the Bible. So again, what Jesus are you presenting? There's only one Jesus that saves and actually has power. There's only one Jesus who's whose real name has power over the occult and over the cults. Those other Jesuses are what Christ actually said. Many will come in my name saying, I am Christ. There are really many false Christs. You got to know who Jesus is. Jesus says in John 8, 24, if you do not believe that I am, you'll die in your sins. And in John 8, 24, the I am means ego emi, which means the always existing. If you do not believe that I'm the always existing one, God, you will die in your sins. There's another time when the Pharisees picked up stones to stone Jesus. And Jesus says, for what good work do you stone me? They said, not, and he said, not for good work. And they, they said, not for good work do we stone thee, but because thou being a man makest thyself God. So they even knew. You want to present people the Lord God, Jesus Christ. But he's, it, so many say, well, yes, he's the son of God. He's the Christ. He's the Savior. He's the Lord, but he's not God. Well, and you're not saved. So then, in your opinion, what is the best way to present the one true Christ of the Bible? Um, you can't preach conviction. You can't preach conviction. But you can just tell them what it says and, and what it is, and they have to make the choice themselves. You can't, you, you can't save people. That They have to come to Christ, and he saves them. We, we have nothing to do. Like, there was a man sent from God. His name was John. John the Baptist. He was a, a voice in the wilderness. So we are just voices, voices of reason. Uh, yes. So this is where we must learn what the Word of God says, because how can we witness and evangelize if we don't know what it says? So we have to give ourselves to the Word of God, study it, and see what it says, and then repeat it. And as it says, so shall my Amen. word be. If it goes forth out of my mouth, it will go, it, it will not return again into me void, but will go and accomplish that once I have sent it. Isaiah 55, 11, I believe that is. Now, this is where we take what it says and we, we give reason, giving reason of the faith. So people can say, oh, well, how is Jesus God? Well, who, how is he important? And this is where we have to show them the scriptures, because only the word of God will convict hearts and souls. Our arguments, our philosophies, our psychologies, our debates, our abilities to string a phrase will literally do nothing. We must know scripture because God's word will not return void. So if we're not studying the scriptures, repeating what God says and how to answer them. See, God has an answer for them. See, it's like yes. they ask God the question, how is Jesus God? And then God says to us the answer. He dictates to us the answer. He gives us, and then we uh, take this as the town criers, so to speak, and we go, we bellow out, thus saith the Lord. This is the answer to it. So, for example, uh, 
1 John 5.20, Jesus Christ is the true God and eternal life. 1 Timothy 4.10, we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men. 1 Timothy 3.16, God was manifested in the flesh. Acts 20.28, 20, God purchased the church with his own blood. Colossians 2.9, in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. John chapter 1, verse 1 and 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word is with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And then all throughout the gospel, you see Jesus forgiving sins, accepting worship, claiming the names of God. He says he has power for life and death, John 10, 18. He gives eternal life, John 10, 20, uh, uh, verses 27, 28. So we see all throughout the scriptures, there's answer for this, of his proof of his power. He's not Michael the archangel. He's not just some lesser prophet. He's not just some holy man. He is God manifest in the flesh, like the prophet said. Isaiah 9, 6, the, the, the child-born son given is called the mighty God, everlasting father. Micah, the prophet, chapter five, yep. verse two, uh, born in Bethlehem, Ephrata, the one whose ways are of old, even of everlasting. Isaiah 53, he'll be rejected of all. He'll be, uh, he'll be beaten and he'll be taken from prison and from judgment. He'll make his grave with the, uh, with the rich, he'll his death with the wicked. His days will be prolonged, meaning he'll be resurrected. So all throughout the Bible, we see the same story, uh, the same, same things here. Jesus claims to be the Christ Messiah. And uh, John chapter uh, John chapter four verse twenty five twenty six, he claims to be the I am in John eight twenty four, where he says, "If you do not believe that I am, you'll die in your sins." So my point is, is how how to help someone see who Jesus is? Well, we just have to show them what the Bible says, and then that's where the Holy Spirit does does the work. He does the convicting. He does the enlightenment. He does the un he gives the understanding. He bring he brings the the knowledge of sin as the law law of god is the schoolmaster for sin teaches us how we're sinners and how we need to be saved and it shows us the need of a savior well how does a person know they need to believe in the lord well you need to see your sin first or as jesus says in mark 1 15 repent and believe the gospel for the kingdom of heaven is at hand luke chapter 3 except you repent you shall likewise perish mm -hmm. so repentance is just understanding and acknowledging you're a sinner and you need to be saved all have sinned all have fallen away all have become corrupt there's none that doeth good no not one all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags and so we show this how the law condemns the laws are cursed unto sin as galatians 3 says but then the grace of god is that even though while we were yet sinners christ died for us because he so loved us greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends and that's what God did, Acts 20, 28. God purchased the church in his own blood. Because he so loved us, Philippians 2, 5 to 8, he was found in fashion as a man. And he, as the Spirit of God came upon Mary, as Gabriel said to Mary, the Spirit of God shall come upon thee, and thou shalt be found with a child, that holy thing which is of the Lord, a body fashioned by God, for God himself, because God is spirit, how do spirits bleed and die? Well, they can't, so he fashioned a body for himself, so he could. And Jesus says, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So it's pointing people to the real Jesus, who he is, his identity, how he came, what he came to do, and why. So it's all about Christ, the full Christ of Scripture, not the Christ of the cults where he's, where he's just a prophet, not the Christ of the cults where he's just some ascended master, not the Christ of the cults who's just yes. a man who just came into the I am abilities, who just happened to realize he's a little divine. No, 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 no. Jesus is God himself manifested in the flesh. As in the Old Testament, we see God used a veil covering to speak to Moses, the burning bush. 
God used the veil covering of the pillar of cloud, pillar of fire, the Shekinah glory cloud to speak to people because no man has seen God at any time and live. So God fashioned, fashioned a body, a veil covering of flesh and blood so that we could behold him. If you've seen mm-hmm. me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. And, that, and, we, and as it says, in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So Jesus, the walking flesh and blood veil covering of the spirit of almighty God, because he so loved us, gave himself for us. This is who God is. God is not willing that any should perish. He wants all men everywhere to repent. So he loves the world. First John 2, 2, and he is the atonement for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. This is who Jesus is. Jesus is the Christ. Christ is not his last name, but is a title term depicting who he is, what he is. Peter says, thou art the Christ, and we are sure of it. Or the Samaritan says, we, we now know that this is the very Christ. So he is the Christ, which is the mighty God, the anointed one, the promised one, the prophesied one, the one that was promised that would come, that God would come down. God came down to us. He's, he made the world, the word. God spoke and created all things. In the beginning was the word, and the word is with God, and the word was God. How did he make all things? Speaking the word. Verse 14, John chapter 1 became flesh and dwelt among us the word that made all things there was not anything made made without him that was made he made all things and then he became flesh and dwelt among us that's what the bible says this is who god is he so loves us he's not willing that any should perish but if we would just believe on the lord jesus christ thou shalt be saved many believe in a jesus but they don't believe in the jesus of the bible brother matthew it was truly an honor to have you on the show would you care to add your final thoughts to those listening before we close? Yeah, so yeah, the, the last couple of things I'd like to add there is um, in regards to reading and studying, I, I always impress people that if you're going to do that, going to start a study, I always recommend start with the Gospel of John. Start the Gospel of John, do a slow read, slow walk through, you know, just look at the words, look at what it says, and just look at who Jesus is. The Gospel of John is called the Evangelist's Gospel. It really breaks it down so simply. The person of Jesus really shows his personality, his emotions, his character, and show, it starts with his divinity. It sh- starts with showing his divinity and, and all the deity claims and the deity works that he does there. And it shows his mercy, his grace, and his friendliness, his love, and, and all this, and how he preaches and, and calls people to repentance and salvation. Read the Gospel of John. And then read through the rest of the New Testament after that, and then go back and read through the whole Bible. And you see how the God of the whole Bible that came down in bodily form as Jesus. And so you see the character of Jesus is the character of God throughout all the scriptures, because God works by grace. So take a look at that. And uh, so yeah, read the Gospel of John and ask the Lord to help you. He is, it's a two-way conversation. You talk to the Lord, he talks to you. He talks to you through the word. And you can always find more more of this kind of stuff, yes, on our um, on our YouTube channel, which you can access easily through our website, ChristianCoffeeTime.ca, as we are Canada-based. That's ChristianCoffeeTime.ca, and right on the homepage, we got all of our links and platforms and whatnot. And you can and there's even a link right there on our web website of my full testimony, if you would like to give that a read, or you could go over to the YouTube channel. I have uh, videos of it and tons and. T- tons of videos covering all different types of topics and stuff. Brother Matthew, thank you again for your time. And to everyone listening, please check out Brother Matthew's YouTube channel. 
Christian Coffee Time, where he goes in-depth in exposing the dark world and reveals the truth behind stories like Lord of the Rings, C.S. Lewis and his Chronicles of Narnia, as well as Harry Potter. And let me also add, he has wonderful biblical study videos too. Go check them out. You will not be disappointed. And may we meet him soon, Christ the True King.